0: Today's episode of Rob Is A Podcast is sponsored by True Car. You know, sometimes it can be difficult to find the clarity of what is the story that is going on on a season of Survivor, but you're never going to have a problem with getting clarity on the price of a brand new car. That is when you go to TrueCar.com or use the True Car mobile app, because it's good to do your research when you're buying the car, and is really the best place to get that comprehensive car pricing information is true car because the truth is that car prices can vary even within the area that you live so when you know the car that you want and you're ready to buy there's only one place to go true car and the true car app because you get no hassles no headaches just the car that you want at a price that you can feel good about you'll feel like you're a brain even if you're a member of the beauty or the brawn tribe if you're saving an average of over three thousand dollars off of msrp like many people who are using true car it's how car buying was always meant to be. Over 2 million cars have been sold by the True Car Certified Dealer Network and there's over 10,000 dealers in the network. So work directly with a True Car Certified Dealer when you visit TrueCar.com or download the True Car app and start saving True Car, never overpay. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Cicino back here with another edition of The Wiggle Room, our weekly episode where we talk with the great Josh Wiggler. Let's bring him in. The star of The Wiggle Room, Josh Wiggler. Check it out.
1: Josh.
2: Wiggle,
1: wiggle, 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 wiggle. Yes. Err. Err. Josh, how are you? Oh, man. How's it is going? This, is this my theme song or is this uh, Jen Lanzetti's theme song now? Oh, earwig. Yeah, yeah the ear wiggle room. Oh, no. God Here forbid. we are. oh god that was so gross that was so gross like five days later that's still so nasty
0: yeah it was a thrill i think it was friday night nicole hadn't seen the episode yet and we got to that scene and (laughs) she was just like writhing in pain on the couch although again she was i think a little like oh that was it when when
1: they actually (laughs) took it out I think that's a fair reaction, given the drama that surrounded, uh, you know, like the blood coming out of the ear and the crying at night and the, you know, the threat of not being able to make it to the challenge. And it's like, this is it. Yeah. It's just like this, you know, like kind of looks like like a nail clipping. You know, it's "It's not really that big. Yeah. She she would have just like smushed it with her finger, like jamming her finger in her ear right you think that that would have worked i know that uh dr pete has gone on reddit and gave his official uh what he would have said what he would have told her to do which is just drown your head in water and drown out the thing um but yeah that's all we got it was just this tiny little thing it was a total horror show moment though um i think people are still talking about that many days later um i know that you talked to bryce about where does this fall in terms of you know the great medical emergencies of survivors. Yes. it's got to be pretty low on the list but I think in terms of just like pure horror show moments, this has to be pretty high on the list. This is one of the grossest things that we've ever seen on Survivor.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I did a podcast a couple of years ago. I mean, it was last summer where we talked about like some of the grossest things that have ever been shown on Survivor. And I feel like that this isn't necessarily quite a gross thing that was shown. But it's right. like the kind of thing that does like literally make your skin crawl. That, like it's somewhere on the Mount
1: Rushmore or that. It's very cringeworthy. It's, it's a very cringeworthy Survivor moment, the likes of which we haven't seen in a long time. Like, I know that a lot of people reference Katie Collins' gross toenails yeah. in Blood versus Water. That's I think nothing. This, this blows that away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is really nasty. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to talk through everything that's going on with the stories that we're following and these characters here through one episode of Survivor Co-Wrong and try to get a handle on where this is all going. Uh, Josh, how's your week been?
1: My week's been good. Week's been very good. Uh, very happy to have Survivor back in my life. Had a really fun time talking to King Darnell. Very sad to see him go. I was really pumped up by the premiere, Rob. I thought it was a really great 90 minute premiere. Um, very explosive start to what looks to be a really painful season. It was gross right out the gate. Uh, you feel very bad for a lot of these people knowing that if we started off with the earwig incident, that it's just gonna get a whole lot worse. Like, you're not just like blowing your load on the first one. There's going to be a lot of really horrible things coming down the pike, I'm sure. Um, So that was really unfortunate. That was the tip (laughs) of the iceberg? Yeah, I think so. I think that you can't just like start with that, and that was the most punishing moment. I think if it's that, if that's where we're starting, I think it's going to get worse. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really great. I think that the characters were really well defined. Um, I think that this, you know, we've already been saying that this looks like a really fun cast, and I think that the premiere really proved it. So, uh, as a Survivor fan, this has been a great week. I've been really happy with the results of the of the first episode.
0: You mentioned your conversation uh, with Darnell. Of course, uh, you do the Exit Press on Parade dot com. Yes, what were some of the interesting takeaways from your interview with Darnell uh,
1: takeaways from Darnell I mean he's like a he's an actual Survivor fan and you can tell I mean it's not just that he dropped a Sean Rector reference just because someone told him that would be a neat thing to do he's a guy who like his he says his first season was Survivor China he loves that season he says Survivor Marquesas is a season that people should be talking about more so he was you know he was pulling a little bit of those those cool deep cut references that I really enjoyed um, I thought that one of the, the best parts of our conversation was when he was talking me through the strategy of the aqua dump uh, where he was talking about how the aqua dump wasn't just because he had a stomach ache. You know, he, he went to his designated spot on the beach, was within eye view of the rest of the tribe because he wanted to make sure that other people knew he wasn't stalking off into the woods looking for idols. You always want to be on other people's radar. Uh, so I, I appreciated where he was coming from with that. I still think maybe it's like you can you can stand like to generate a little bit of paranoia if you know that's at the expense of just like grossing out the rest of your tribe I think that you're probably losing out by taking a dump in front of everybody uh, no, but no. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well let's hold on
1: and drill down a little bit further yeah. uh, with that and
0: we did we talked about it I you know I talked about it with Darnell I talked about it with Varner I talked about it with Bryce but yeah. do you think that this is going to be, you know, the thing that when we talk about eventually and we do the evolution of strategy volume four and we get to Darnell, is that going to be like the word association that when we get to him, that that's going to always be his thing in Survivor history? Was the aqua dump? Yes.
1: Unfortunately, probably. Yeah, you know, much I think more so. Forget <laughs> goggles, scuba yeah. mask. We're not even going to remember that. I don't think that we are, and I think that, you know, the goggles, it, it was a convenient excuse for getting rid of a guy like Darnell. I think that, um, you know, on Twitter, Kyle Jason has talked about how Darnell was likable, and you get rid of that guy when you have the chance. You can agree or disagree with that approach all you want. I think that it had a lot more to do with that and trying to control power levels within the tribe than any one freak accident that happened in a challenge. But I think that the episode really does paint it that way that it was the challenge that was a big screw up, and that's the big reason why Darnell left um i don't think you know i don't think that's what we're going to remember 10 years from now uh, you know when we're talking about darnell hamilton i think that we're going to be talking about the very 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 unfortunate fact that not only is this guy the first boot from survivor co wrong but in his one episode his one and only episode of survivor he is ruthlessly mocked for the brown trout and i think that that's i think that's gonna stick with him i hope that he can lean into it and enjoy it as a oh, joke yeah. he, he seems like a really fun good nice guy uh but That sucks. Like, can you imagine going out on Survivor? You only have one episode. You know that you're just going to be in one episode, and the aqua dump is the centerpiece of your story on Survivor.
2: And right now, my gut tells me, go use the the, the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) go
0: you gotta go when you gotta gotta go go. you gotta go but no i think he has owned it and i think that more so than any other survivor i mean probably the previous person who was the holder of the aqua dump copyright was brian heidick but Uh he's got so many other things that he could lay claim to as being his thing i think he loses that now to darnell
1: yeah I think so too and of course the most recent example is uh, the the reigning know-it-all champion Stephen Fishback who had some great stomach issues that were very notable during his second appearance on Survivor and I think that they were made a bigger deal of but there was so much more with Stephen that you remember that season from really good strategy to you know chopping up the wood or lack thereof Right. I think that you know his, his stomach ache his severe gastrointestinal distress I think will always be something that we'll remember but I think that of the two seasons seasons that were filmed in Cambodia right now, I think that you could say King Darnell is the king of the aqueduct.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's better to have a thing than to not have a thing. That's what I always say.
1: How do you feel about Darnell as a first boot? Not to spoil uh, a chapter from an audiobook that is not going to be recorded for another five years from now, but one of the things that Rob and I do when we're talking about the evolution of strategy is Rob likes to rank the first boots voted out of Survivor. So just on instinct, where do you think Darnell Falls in terms of you know not exact Number of placement right is he is he a higher End first boot is he a lower end first boot Somewhere in the middle well, the things I sort of look at are how big
0: of a disaster are they? Did they get lucky lucky or unlucky? Obviously, most of the first boots got unlucky. Yeah. So I feel like for Darnell, I, I mean, he lost the scuba mask. I don't feel like that that's like the kind of thing where he wasn't like a grease fire. Like you could imagine a scenario where he was on a different tribe or he didn't lose the goggles and you wouldn't imagine that he would be the first boot. So I think that that would probably all be points in his favor as opposed to somebody who when you get to the bottom of that list it's like you have people no matter what tribe you ever put them on on any point in any season they would always be the first boot
1: what are you talking about
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i think that darnell in other circumstances would probably
1: be around in many other seasons and many other tribes yeah, I think he could take some comfort in that as well. I think that, and I feel like, you know, you see it in his morning after video. He's talking about it a lot now. I think that that guy feels like he has a lot of unfinished business out there because I think Darnell probably would be pretty good at survivor if given, you know, a longer shot at it. Um, and I think it does speak to, you know, luck of the draw is a big factor who you're put on a tribe with, how one stupid total freak accident can completely dictate your fate in the game. I think that, you know, if a few other factors were reset for Darnell, I could see him making a deep run. You know, I could see him having several aqua dumps out there on Survivor. I could see Darnell going, going the distance. So, um, I don't think that it's, you know, I don't think it's a real knock against the guy's skills as a Survivor player. I think it was just a really unlucky first three days.
0: Do you think in any way that the ocean was getting revenge on Darnell where it was like, okay, Darnell, you come in this ocean <laughs> and you do your business? Well, yeah. I'm going to, you know, knock your goggles off when you get in the water later. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you're, if you're shitting in my, uh, backyard, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to shit all over your game knock your that? goggles off. How about that? Yeah. Scoop a yeah. mask. Scoop a mask. Yeah. yeah the, the water, the water fights back.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, we talked about Darnell a bit and the Braun tribe, but let's take a look at the stories of these tribes that we got in this 90 minute premiere. Let's stick with the Braun tribe and just take a deeper look at this story and where it's
1: going to be going from here sure and I mean I think that you know we, we've covered Darnell fairly extensively I think that his his rise and fall has been chronicled unless you've got anything else to add no I think I'm good on Darnell for now yeah I, I think I'm good on Darnell too and I think I mean obviously the big story is the horror show that was uh, the earbug. which was very very nasty and I think it was just sort of like the big exclamation mark in terms of this is going to be a gross season this is going to be a punishing season and you're getting that right out of the gate here in the 90 minute premiere and that's really basically that was just jen's only story um jen was you know she was expressing some sympathy for darnell at tribal council and showing that she's an empathetic player and you know somebody who has you know who wears her heart on her sleeve um but beyond that i wasn't getting much from jen but what we got was very memorable and gross like jen does not have to make it much further to also have a thing on survivor (laughs) oh yeah she Uh, has a thing now yeah (laughs) i mean almost like she could win this thing and i think that she would still be largely remembered for the ear. (laughs) (laughs) it's
0: very possible yeah uh, a couple things with Jennifer. One, I think that maybe the most exciting part of Jennifer on Survivor has been the reemergence of the at Sushi Surfer. Jonas yes. has been back on Twitter. Jonas is back. Jonas, what does it feel like to be back on Twitter after all this time? Well, Jonas had tweeted earlier to me in the week that he does not like the impression that I do of him.
2: Oh, no, <laughs> he, really? Yeah, he's so not sensitive. like that. He's
0: like, Rob, you're, you know kind of a rude dude yeah <laughs> yeah
2: you
1: are a rude dude but that's kind of your thing yeah so <laughs> no, jonas do not, did not care dude. for that okay <laughs> but he hasn't really been like all of a sudden he's like uh back with a vengeance yeah no he's he's tweeting up a storm yes uh i i got the surprise follow from uh sushi surfer earlier in the week it's like oh jonas is back on twitter this yeah. is good
0: yeah of course that jonas is jennifer's friend from season 22 right that she yeah, mentioned Redemption island yeah yes Yes. And then also in terms of uh, people with problems with their ears, if you were told me that anybody was going to have an ear related injury on the Braun tribe, I would have thought that it was Kyle coming out of week one.
1: I thought so, too. I mean, that's exactly why I drafted him in our medevac draft is because I'm worried about his ear catching on to something. Yeah, He was fine. He was fine. He was fine so far, but I mean, if these bugs on, uh, on Braun beach, which we also know is, uh, is anchor beach from, uh, season 31. Um, if these, if these bugs are attracted to ears, I mean, I gotta, I gotta be worried about Kyle moving forward. I mean, if they thought that they had a juicy meal in Jen's (laughs) brain, watch out. Yeah. Watch out. Yeah. But I definitely thought that that was uh that was funny. I, I would have picked the same thing. Uh, it definitely seems like Kyle's ear would have been the target. Uh, speaking of Kyle, I think Kyle is obviously one of the biggest stories on Braun, if not the biggest story that this guy who in the pregame talked about how Russell Hance is the is the person who played Survivor properly. He's going to do that kind of thing even sooner than Russell Hance, which is astonishing because Russell Hans was burning socks and pouring out water on the very first night of the game. He was talking about how that's the type of game he was going to be playing. Maybe he put the bug in Jennifer's ear. He may have put the bug in Jennifer's ear. What's your take on kyle jason so far in terms of uh is he if is he living up to some sort of russell hans reputation either as a character or as a gamer or as both what's your take on kyle right now
0: so so far so good I feel like for Kyle, but I do feel like that if he was going to try to come in and be some sort of even more aggressive Russell Hans or an even, you know, a more ambitious Russell Hans, then I feel like that he did not live up to that reputation at least through one episode because in the first episode of Samoa, we have where Russell Hantz is burning socks and talking about how he was a firefighter and Katrina and his dog died and all that stuff. For Kyle, you say maybe he's playing a game that can actually win the game. <laughs> so, right, it's not, but it is different than the game plan he laid out in the preseason interviews.
1: Do you think that he's I mean, you you say that this could be a this could be a winning game, but this is like the kind of this is the guy who is like going to tribal council in a tribe of six and saying, like, I don't believe that everyone's pulling their weight, not by a long shot. He's saying things that are very brash like that. Is it is this a guy who you think could could turn that around or is that attitude something that's going to is that an, an attitude that you think could serve him well moving forward in the game?
0: Well, I think that he was mostly beating up on, you know, Darnell to some degree and Blondie, Alicia. And I think that he wasn't like going off and fighting with everybody. I feel like that that was kind of a popular opinion within the tribe that Blondie is a pain in the neck. And so I think that he probably garnered some goodwill from the other tribe mates by sort of like calling her out at the tribal council. So yeah. I don't think that he necessarily did anything that really hurt his cause at that tribe council
1: big character though right out of the gate he's just a huge personality one of the big ones to watch this season uh you gotta imagine he's gonna have a big impact whether that's you know for positive reasons or negative reasons whether he's successful in his campaign to win this thing or if he's gonna have an epic downfall Uh, i think that the story of kyle jason is gonna be really really big and one of the one of the biggest ones that we got to be watching right now um you mentioned blondie what was your take on the mental giant
0: well, just to tie her into Kyle, Jason, do you feel like that Jason slash Kyle? I'm again, I'm so confused with what to call I him. Think we're
1: calling him Jason. That's what the Chiron right. says. I think we got to go with Jason. We have to adjust to that. All right. So, Jason, do you feel like that
0: he's looking at Alicia the same way that Russell, his mentor, was
1: looking at a Natalie White? I think that there's there's shades of that for sure. You can see that. We don't see any scenes of them being super close together. You don't really see the scene of Jason going up to Blondie, going up to Alicia. This is where it all yeah. starts. This is how it starts. Blondie. Yeah, we're gonna go to the top. Yeah, this you is don't how get, it starts. <laughs> you don't get any of that. <laughs> like, he's not making his dumb blonde alliance. Like, you don't, you don't see that happening. But I mean, you could, you could visually see it. Like, there's definitely a striking visual resemblance of, you know, the Hans and Natalie White alliance and Kyle Jason standing alongside Alicia Holden. Um, I just don't see the personal relationship between them being emphasized enough on the show that that seems to be the direction we're going. But if Jason is modeling his game after Russell hands to any degree. You got to imagine in his head, he's thinking of her as a potential back pocket partner. Um, I don't know if that's going to bear any fruit, but you got to imagine that's at least in his mind. It seems in his mind that, you know, he just wants to have that solid deal with every single individual on the tribe. And it looks like he's got that at least with Scott, they seem to be pretty tight. It seems like he's pretty tight with Jen and Sydney as well. Um, and he talks about that, how he just wants to go around doing the handshake thing with everybody, which Jeremy Collins would say no to. You know, no public handshakes. That's a that's a bad call.
0: Now, Jason, as a character, are you seeing him as somebody who is a fan favorite, somebody who is a villain, a villain who is beloved? How do you
1: see him in terms of what we're seeing presented to us on the show? It's totally going to depend on what you like out of your survivor players. I mean, if Kyle Jason goes out there and plays a really dynamic, excellent game, but is also ruthless in cutting people down, both in terms of cutting them down in the game and cutting them down with his remarks and confessionals or even to their face, I think that you could see him being, you know, beloved, sort of like a Tony Vlachos figure, or you could see him being, you know, there's people who love Russell Hans too. And I think that those fans yeah. could really love what Kyle Jason is up to. But I think that let's take Russell Hans as the example, because it's the obvious one there are certainly people who have zero respect for the way that russell hans plays the game
0: yeah but um, going through the whole russell hans era and we did this uh, in the evolution of strategy and just in tracking that it wasn't i feel like until sort of the end of heroes versus villains that people started to sour on russell like russell in the early on like the first half of samoa I really think was a beloved figure in Survivor history. Sure, there were people that really sort of hated him, but I feel like, you know, he had such, I mean, Russell won the fan favorite two seasons in a row. People did love Russell and were really upset that he didn't win. But I think it wasn't until he was such a sore sport at the Heroes versus Villains finale that people really
1: started to turn on him right well I think you know it depends a lot on behavior and and how that marries with gameplay and if, if Jason goes out there and plays a really great game but he's also a bad boy and not even a reformed bad boy if he's a real rude dude and he goes around and, and acts like a rude dude but also plays an awesome game I think that he could be a really beloved character but if he goes out there and he's just ruthlessly mocking people and tearing people down and then he has some sort of epic downfall I think that he could go down as, as a villain that you you know you loved to hate but certainly not somebody that's going to be revered the way that uh, Russell was so I think it could go either way I think that there's aspects of his game so far that are impressive I think that he's obviously grabbed this tribe by the horns and he seems to be calling a lot of the shots maybe alongside Scott maybe by himself and sort of trickling those orders down with the rest of the people um, so I think that there's things about his game that have been impressive just in one episode alone but I could obviously I could very easily see it going other way. So jury is out on Kyle right now. Let's see if he even gets to the jury phase.
0: I described uh, Jason and Scott the other night as I saw them as sort of like an alliance of scoundrels together uh-huh. yeah. do you see scott in the same sort of like do you feel like that him and jason could
1: be like these two partners in crime absolutely i could totally see that and you know there's there's this hope that you're going to get like a gentle giant out of scott power you know he does have that andre the giant voice uh that andre the mental giant voice <laughs> uh he does you know he definitely has that and he's got you know that big energy about yeah. him and <laughs> yeah, exactly he's got like this crazy voice and this huge presence and he seems like somebody like listen you know me i like to go i'm a big hugger i would love to give scott power to hug seems like he'd be a great hugger uh but in this episode he is you know kind of brutal with his takedowns he's really dead set about getting rid of darnell over a pretty you know innocuous mistake in my opinion i mean something that could have happened to just about anybody um and i think that there is you know the way that he talks about how like if you're not strong if you're weak get out of my way uh you know know he he talks about how there's only five of us on this tribe oh there's six i'm sorry i'm I'm not good at math i'm a brawn uh and the way that he is really cozying up next to jason i could see the two of them causing a lot of trouble together and that would be really fun um if that's the way that it goes i think that that could be a really fun alliance to watch moving forward if they're just like the scoundrels the wrecking balls that are just going forward and just causing mischief and, and chaos and if you kind of have this sort of Russell Hans Voltron type of guy uh, where if you combine Kyle Jason and Scott Power together and they're just total you know one crazy mischief making machine that could be really great television so I could absolutely see it I have a harder time seeing Scott playing the gentle game that maybe I thought he was going to he was possibly going to do um, going in in the preseason so I don't know I, I could totally see it I could see the scoundrel thing going
0: and then do you think that they are on their way to being our disaster tribe in the pre-merge of this season.
1: Well, I think that a few things contribute to that. I think that first, they lost the first one, so that's tough. They still have Alicia who, you know, was completely useless in this challenge. Darnell may have lost the, the mask, but Alicia was just standing there with a puzzle, had to be pulled out from the puzzle very quickly. Um, and they've got, you know, they've got her as dead weight here, so that could be, that could be a factor in these challenges. There's also the very, you know, real fact that they are on a terrible beach, as we know from having watched Second Chance at Anchor Beach was awful and that's just you know a really rough place to live and i think that we see in survivor history how much that matters how much it matters where you live what your conditions are what your what your living situation is like and if this beach continues to just be like earworming the crap out of everybody it could be really nasty really fast um so yeah i could i could see this tribe doing really poorly i think we see that a lot in three tribe seasons where one tribe is just you know, out of the gate, does not do very well. Worlds Apart wasn't completely perfect to like a Matt Singh analog or a Luzon situation, but I do think more often than not, you see one of those tribes in the three-tribe format do pretty poorly. And I think that Braun is the early front runner for that status. And if that's the case, I mean, it wouldn't, I don't think it would be an intentional Matt sing, but it would be very interesting to see a Matt singing of this tribe to see who's left at the end of it. Let's say it's Kyle Jason and Scott Pollard and see what kind of damage those two as a twosome could do in the rest of the game. I think it would be really interesting to see play out. So my early instinct is, yeah, I think that the Braun tribe is in a, in a big lot of trouble. Because
0: I know that Darnell lost the goggles or lost the scuba mask in that last challenge, but I mean they lost one of their strong guys, and I feel like that as the Braun tribe, that's sort of like their core strength right. is that they are the strongest yeah. yeah, the strongest tribe. And they're sort of like cutting from that. And I guess maybe it's better to sort of like uh, lose from a strength as opposed to like have a weakness become even worse, but I don't know. You could definitely see a scenario where they this comes back to bite them in the butt. I mean, if they were going to Is lose... Is that how they get medevaced? Is they get bitten <laughs> on the butt? Yes. Or what just bit my ass. Yeah. yeah. But to lose Alicia, you're really not losing anything in the challenges as opposed to where you lose uh, Darnell. And if you take a look at, you know, in the last couple of three tribe seasons where, okay, they lost David Sampson on the Brains Tribe. And then on top of that, they lost Garrett in the worlds apart. They lost So Kim and you yeah. know, they didn't vote out Joaquin first. They voted out So Kim and they were able to continue to win a couple more challenges coming out of that. So we'll see if the loss of Darnell looms large over this tribe, over these next couple of tribal councils.
1: Yeah, I think the other reason to get rid of Alicia other than the challenge stuff is also the paranoia she seemed to be generating on that beach. You know, her whole maybe I got it, maybe I don't with yeah. the immunity idol. Um, and so you're keeping that in play as well, And I don't know how much that's going to be a factor in terms of going to Tribal Council, but the longer that they keep her around, I feel like the, the more trouble it will be for Bron. So if Bron goes back to Tribal next week and they don't cut Alicia for whatever reason, then I think we're looking at a really big disaster situation for that tribe.
0: By the way, on Alicia, I feel like I did not have a good read on her coming into this season or even a Josh, but I felt like that I think I'm starting to understand (laughs) Alicia a little bit more, Uh and I feel like that she could be like a cat.
1: Okay. (laughs) Sort of like a silly, goofy player who thinks that she's playing harder and better than she really is. Yeah, I think that could be her thing. Even in
0: talking with Darnell about her, he was just like, I can't even describe her. Alicia is just Alicia.
1: Well, I, I heard Darnell tell you the same thing that he told me about earwig gate, uh, saying that Alicia thought that Jen had got a fish in her ear. <laughs> yeah,
2: and <laughs> which wow. is
0: very parallel to something on, on The Amazing Race this past week.
1: Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh so that's that's interesting. That's interesting. Um yeah, I could see that. I kind of think that you know another analog could be is Alicia, sort of the Jatia of this tribe. Is she, you know, <laughs> is she the disaster person that you're going to really wish that you had cut sooner. By
0: the way, and, uh, very big congratulations to Jatia who is yes. a mom. So a uh, baby is there on the way. So the stork did not tell Jatia a package was coming and failed to deliver. So right, good news for actually, Jatia.
1: It actually wound up there. Yeah. It made it. Good for you. Congrats, Jatia. Yes. No, in all seriousness, congrats, Jatia. All right, so let's, let's move on. Let's move on from Jatia. Let's move on from Braun. Let's talk the beauty tribe. I think that the beauty tribe was probably the most interesting tribe outside of Braun this week. Would you agree with that? I
0: absolutely would agree because yeah. I think it all starts and ends with the rise and fall of Ty
1: Trang. I know. <laughs> Ty Trang, the Rupert of Survivor So <laughs> Wrong, according to Jeff Probst. Yes, yes. Did you get Rupert vibes from Ty? I liked what you said tie-dye I thought was funny yes Uh, I don't know if I got quite
0: Rupert vibes from him I mean I think that there have been many people that the audience has fallen in love with very quickly in terms of survivor players and I feel like that I mean Rupert just popped off the screen i feel like that maybe ty might be one tier below that and let's see how it ultimately wears out but for 10 minutes
1: he was king of the world king of the world king of the world i think that even still you know (laughs) given the disaster that goes on with ty and his search for the hidden immunity idol uh i think that he's still a really endearing presence out there but yeah i think that ty is the big headline from the beauty tribe he comes out there he says he loves all living creatures please don't hurt the tree beast mode cowboy and then he runs off and just uproots all the trees mm-hmm. uh, and gets caught doing it doesn't even have a good story prepared when they confront him on it he can't even like bust out like oh yeah I'm taking these trees out so I can plant them yes. down further on the beach <laughs> and create like a bonsai garden and do something really spiritual I'm a big Bruce kennedy fan <laughs> and I really wanted to come up with a new rock garden and one up that thing like he didn't have anything prepared He was just like yeah I'm looking over here for the idol uh, doesn't seem to be here yet give me like five Five more minutes to keep looking so come on ty you got to do a little better than that uh but i thought it was very endearing uh, i think that in terms of ty breaking out as you know sort of a lovable goofball character so far definitely hitting the money for me yeah absolutely do you think that ty has game though i don't know I don't know if Ty has game. Um, I think Ty certainly has, he's already proven a willingness to play the game. I mean, his one of his first actions out there in the first three days of the game, whether or not you want to say that was the first day or the second or the third, um, you know, he is out there looking for idols aggressively right away. Is he doing a great job with it?
2: No, not really. Not not, not, not from my seat.
1: Um, but he's showing a willingness to, to play hard and a willingness to go out and find that thing and probably sense is at least some level of danger Looking at the dynamics of the beauty tribe And seeing himself as an outlier uh, You know that these are the people who are You know there are five people here Who are being cast on the beauty tribe For like very serious outer beauty reasons And he's got to take a look and be like Okay I'm inner beauty I got it I need to do something to protect myself here Because they could really just easily chop me out um, And he's going and he's looking for the idol And I think that that's, that's a good move uh, He has no preparation for what to say When he's outed from it So that's a strike against him but I think that it shows some game that he at least knows that he needs to go and find some way to protect himself. I think the better way to do it would be to go to the three women and say, Hey, let's do a thing. Um, But at the very least he's doing something. So I like that. We'll see if that, if that translates to better game down the road.
0: Well, his snafu with the idol where the women were already talking about like, Oh, he should be with us really opened the door for Nick and beast mode cowboy to sort of form the dominant five person alliance coming out of that first episode. So yeah. Beast Mode Cowboy, let's talk about him a little bit, and I think we both agree he got off on the wrong foot to start, and then I thought bounced back in the first episode. You and I both commented on Twitter about how uh, he compared Tai Trang as why is he on the Beauty Tribe, and he's got these huge eyebrows or tie brows, and right. well, he <laughs> has eyebrows. That's good. He has these uh, Mr. Miyagi glasses, right? And we said, uh, does Mr. Miyagi wear glasses? I was stunned by that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he then it did seem as though got a redemptive edit I think so I think that there there is definitely a sense that this is um you know and and whether whether or not you agree I again have not seen his season of Big Brother or any season of Big brother for that matter so I don't know what the really popular consensus on him is it seems like he definitely has fans certainly has detractors it seems right now based on his one episode of survivor that he's being painted in a positive light um, and I don't know what that's supposed to tell us yet if that's you know something that we're getting from him now so that some sort of downfall looks even bigger later on or if it's because he's somebody who's going to do really well in this game he's going to be a really great member of an alliance um, doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to successfully be the leader of an alliance or the uh, the architect of really big moves or anything like that or even small clever moves he doesn't he doesn't seem to be that type of guy for me but he does from what I've read about him and from what people have told me about the way that he played the game he sounds like somebody who's loyal sounds like somebody who is a fixture in an alliance somebody that you can rely on and that kind of guy if they you know if they're providing great commentary and confessionals if they're funny around camp that's somebody that could be portrayed as a big fun lovable character and it seems like in the first episode at the very least that's the direction we're going Um, were you surprised by uh by what we saw from beast mode in this first episode no i wasn't really surprised by too much of what we saw i mean I and felt they are calling him beast mode cowboy on the show or at least he brought it up <laughs> and we were wondering if that was going to be a thing he said it was over but i guess it's not over it's back no
0: overall i did feel like he did a good job and for the most part other than what he was saying about ty early on he was on his best behavior i commented about how i thought he did a very good job with sort of like keeping a low profile and sort of being very observant so all things were good on the beast mode cowboy front after one episode.
1: I think so too. Um, let's talk about the three women of the beauty tribe. Yes. Um, I know that Anna Kate was your winner pick. Yes. I, I have not stated this publicly anywhere other than Twitter and on a Facebook <laughs> thread, but Michelle has been my winner pick.
0: Oh, I didn't things. know
1: this. Yeah, I went with Michelle as my winner pick. I don't know. I, li- I like um, I don't know. It's, it's I feel like she knows the game. She's a, She's a fan of the show. She seems really smart. She seems very social. And I'm, you know, I think that one of the things that you and I talked about a lot in Evolution of Strategy is how important the social game is. And Michelle just strikes me as somebody that people are going to want to gravitate toward. So I really like her going in in the preseason I feel like Anna had a better episode Mm -hmm. than Michelle Michelle was a little quiet she had a really great confessional um, during one of the early trips to Beauty Beach where she's talking about um, you know her social skills and everything like that and it seemed like people were gravitating toward her but the formation of the three women of the beauty tribe it felt a lot more like Julia and Anna were at the center of the thing what about Nick did you have anything to say about your boy Nick (laughs) I mean he's Still man candy for me. I'm, I'm into that. I'm still feeling that. That's still all very good. He's definitely really douchey, though. I mean, <laughs> on the show, like, he's definitely getting a little of the douchey thing. Uh, you know, like the whole like it's just the truth. I'm a very handsome guy, and I do better in life, and that's just the thing. It's a um, fact of life it's that a fact as of a life.
0: person who is attractive, my right. life is just better. It's great. It's, it's a really good deal. <laughs> definitely
1: pick hot um, so you know, that's kind of what we're getting from Nick like even with the whole chicken scandal where the chickens are running around and Ty is like alright I know how to do this I'm going to tie their legs together I'm going to tie Trang their legs together we're going to make these chickens feel a lot more cozy and at ease and comfortable and they're going to calm down and they're going to walk around and it's the humane thing to do and you hear Nick go uh, he says something like why do we care they're going to be dead in two days anyway it's <laughs> so, like, you can't be a dick to the chickens man you can't do that <laughs> um so bad look for Nick, I thought. Um I think that he's you know he's got potential to be a funny character. Uh and let's see what his what his game is like. We know that he is a, he is a former RHAP blogger. He had really great blogs during Kagiyan. He seems to know the game pretty well. Let's see if that translates to television. But at the very least, uh he's getting I think he's getting painted as sort of a big douchey villain. Uh and I think that could be pretty fun as well.
0: Yeah, if you want more blogs, do we can't we don't have Nick, but maybe uh somebody gets on a future season go to Robinson. <laughs> yeah. Website.com slash blogs to read what the bloggers are saying about their brethren on (laughs) this season. Okay, then let's talk about this Brains Tribe. And what is this, Josh? A Brains Tribe that has their act
1: together? It feels like it to some degree. I mean, it, it, these people are, you know, the, there's the core four that seems to have reached some sort of consensus with each other between Neil and Pete and Aubrey and Liz. They seem to have really come together and they feel like they've got a good handle on things. That's not great for uh, for Nicole's winner pick, Debbie. Uh, it's not great for for JDC, for Joseph Del Campo. Um, but it seems right now that they are, I don't feel like they're going to have to worry about those tribal dynamics for a little bit yet i mean they were great in that first challenge yeah they they rocked that puzzle they were they were brawny where they needed to be they seem like they've got their act together you know forget lose on this is wins on it's <laughs> happening now were you happy that
0: liz actually said in the episode joe del campo would be her first pick to get medevaced out of the game <laughs> This was good for me, which was, <laughs> which I've never heard any survivor ever in any season make that statement before. So it was very odd. I felt like coming off the heels
1: of our <laughs> MetaVac yeah. draft on last week's Wiggle Room. I feel like that is. Uh, it feels like a warning sign. It definitely does, and my antenna certainly perked up at that. I was like, "Okay, yeah. score, scoring some points." I wish that we had uh, we had allowed for points for like mentions of the threat of meta meta backs. I would have scored at least a bonus point.
0: Now, there. no points were awarded this week in our draft. Although, if somebody had Jennifer Lenzetti, they would have gotten a point for the earwig gate, right? I
1: think I think that would have counted. I think you would have gotten one point. There was no doctor check-in that we saw. It seems like there were doctor check-ins that we didn't. See but that's not canon, so you would only get one one point for for Jennifer Lanzetti this week. Would you have gotten a point for Aubrey's anxiety attack? (laughs) That's a good question you know I think so I mean, she had to go lie down I'd say I'd, I'd give it the point it was a little bit of, of a public meltdown which you don't want to do so you gotta imagine that's happening because she stressed the F out out there uh, which was a sad sad first look for Aubrey you know that was really Aubrey's story this week yeah she was included in the four person alliance at the brains tribe but really the only unique story we got from Aubrey was just how overwhelmed she was by the conditions out there how she went from the freezing cold of Boston to the super hot beach of cambodia and it was just six to midnight way too fast uh so that's a tough first story for aubrey we'll see we'll see how that pans out but i I felt really really bad for her.
0: this story that we have going on here of young versus old or at least middle-aged versus old how do you see this playing out here because i feel like it's a story that we've seen many times before in survivor history
1: yeah, absolutely. We have seen it before. Uh, you know, going, you know, th- I think that the the first instance that I can really think of is Samboohoo uh back during Survivor <laughs> Africa. <laughs> well, i had cited
0: with Jeff that I felt like it was a little bit like where Tina and Keith were on
1: the outs with Jerry and Mitchell and Amber and sure. Cody. Yeah, no, that's a good point, too. I think that there's a little bit of that, but I mean, that's not the initial tribe dynamic. You know, that's not just like how it is from the jump. I think that there's, you know, a consensus that we've mm-hmm. got to get rid of Cal yeah. first, and then we got to get rid of Mad Dog, and then it's all of a sudden, oh crap, we're the old people on the outside here. We got to figure out how to get rid of, uh, seven foot tall giant Mitchell Olson, who is the tallest survivor player, yes. by the way. Let's, let us not forget. Um, but I think that Samburu is a, is a good analog, too, because just from the jump, that was a tribe that was split right down the middle, um, in terms of, of the generational divide, and you know Silas and the young people versus Frank and the old people, and it was just you know sort of this big conflict that arose early on. The numbers are not in favor of the quote unquote older people on the brain stripe. It does not look great for Joe. It does not look great for Debbie. I think that um, you know this is something that you talked about in previous podcasts. This week, it's a conversation that's happening right now. I think that when you do have someone, when you can relate to people that are sort of similar to you on any level whether it's age or race or gender or whatever I think that that is something that bonds people together in a game like Survivor in the first three days where you're scrambling to look for any sort of commonality and this seems to be the commonality that emerged very quickly on the Brains tribe so if I'm, if I'm Joe Del Campo or Debbie I don't really know what the best way to crack into that is I think, that, I think that's really tough I think that you know, with a six person tribe it's hard to figure out a way to crack a four person alliance Um, I think that, especially for someone like Debbie, who I don't know if she's going to have the self-awareness to know that she is on the outside until it's too late. Um, I feel a little bit better about Joseph Del Campo. Um, I feel like he's a strong player. I feel like he's physically strong. He's jacked, obviously, and I feel like he's got a temperament that could blend in a little bit better with Dr. Pete uh, and Neil and those people. I feel like he could blend in there a little bit better, but I'm right now if something were to happen to the Brains Tribe, I'm very worried that, uh, that the tiger swimsuit might be retired very early huge
0: debbie update came out over the weekend of course debbie talked about all of her many jobs during the premiere which is your favorite debbie job i has to be working at red lobster let me play that clip so. real quick yeah. again i'm a chemist but i've been a photonics manufacturing supervisor an electronics expert a bartender caretaker to nuns, and between jobs i fill in at red lobster as a server So I read that as caretaker to none, as in I am a person who is completely independent. Sounds like ultimately that's what you want to be as somebody who is a caretaker to a a few different people. It's it's very hard and it's very taxing. (laughs) You want to be a caretaker to one and that one is you. Yeah. Caretaker
1: to none. That's the way to to play it. But That's a, the name of the second season of Aziz Ansari's Netflix show. Right? I believe so. Caretaker of None. <laughs> and so that Debbie was asked on Twitter by
0: somebody, uh, Peter Ryan asked her on Twitter. Hey, Debbie, quick question. Did you say caretaker to none or caretaker to nuns? Yeah. That's <laughs> so like, what? That's, I mean, okay. We are getting a little like a uh, punny with with deb here because she obviously said caretaker to none debbie at boston terror
1: 21 said is that her twitter handle at boston terror yeah
0: oh man yeah, that's what happened to aubrey she had the boston terror oh god i, was like, uh, I need to be back in the cold she said name. she responded nuns pious ladies dressed like penguins all right yes so here it is i'm a
1: chemist but i've been a photonics
0: manufacturing supervisor an electronics expert a bartender caretaker to nuns and between jobs i fill in at red lobster as a server
1: (laughs) you can hear if you listen thinking of caretaker to nuns you can hear the little tiny bit of an s there yes Yeah, so you can you can hear caretaker
0: it. to nuns, the pious wow, ladies dressed like a penguins for Aubrey. That, yeah, it's awfully hot
1: out here for penguins. That might be my favorite job now, you know. <laughs> I of the like, nuns. I like to imagine Debbie taking care of nuns and the entire time she's thinking like, wow, these nuns look like penguins. Yeah. Oh, do you think that we will get on Debbie's
0: family visit, a nun coming out? That would be <laughs> incredible. Just like in full nun garb. Like, uh, all right, Debbie, let's bring out your friend, the nun, Sister Margaret. Like, oh. <laughs>
1: yes,
2: Debbie, very good job. Very good job. How do you solve a problem like Debbie. <laughs>
1: yeah so we will see oh man that would be fantastic i'm rooting for that i've never rooted so hard for debbie to make it to the family visit <laughs> then right now realizing that a nun could come out yeah so and she would like turn to everybody like because you know they always have like these moments like yeah this is this is what big d looks like this is what this person looks like you could just see doesn't she look like a penguin isn't it what i told you
0: mm-hmm. yeah Everybody's like, yeah it's pretty good very fun all right Josh that you've been working on so many different things for Survivor Co-Wrong that yes. my is
1: telling me that you have another exclusive for us well yeah no I was really uh, I was really pumped at uh, the reaction to Syscoach last week oh, that, yeah. was, that was really great and I saw you know Coach himself he was favoriting a lot of the, the tweets that reference Syscoach, so he was pretty pumped up as well so it's really no surprise that like I am getting my door is getting knocked on by a few people Rob yes <laughs> it is I, I feel like you know that's that's how this is like you you get one track that's played on the air and suddenly all the other su- survivor alumni are like i got a song too i got something to show you yeah why somebody so else reached out to you so yeah no, well i've been i've been talking to this guy for a bit actually just anyway um you know i if you've listened to the evolution of strategy you know from chapter 15 the survivor china chapter uh that i am shameless in my in my crush on pg law um, and PG PG was a really good sport about it. She listened to that chapter. She was very funny about it. She did not have to be because I was awkwardly enamored with her, uh, and she was real. She was a really good sport about it. We got to hang out a little bit during the um, the second chance uh, finale week, and we you know got to talk at the bar. It was really fun, and so we've just been you know talking back and forth a little bit. And she has put me in touch with some other castmates from Survivor China because I love that season. Uh, not Chicken Morris, unfortunately. That guy is just like you have no idea how to find. Him, um, but she put me in touch with somebody, and we've just been talking over the past like three or four weeks, anyway. Um, but he is—he's a, a big fan of Survivor still, which is surprising considering how screwed over he was during um, Survivor China. Mm. We're talking about Aaron Reisberger. Oh wow, um, who—that's not a name you hear very deep often. Deep cut, but he, yeah, deep cut. But he's been—he's been talking with me a little bit, and like the surfing thing is still going well. He's—he's uh, he's dabbling a little bit in music. He hasn't really been sure of what to. Do do with it. He didn't really know, you know, if, if, if any of the stuff that he'd been writing was working. So he's been—it's like that kind of thing where you write a story over and over again. It never gets published. It just never sees the light of day. That's kind of what he's been doing with his tracks. Um, but he read my interview with Darnell, where Darnell said that Survivor China was his uh, his first season of the show, and Aaron was kind of really blown away by that because he was already feeling really touched by what happened to Darnell. He felt Darnell got royally screwed over. Obviously not as screwed over as Aaron Reisberger, who, if you don't remember, is the guy who gets kidnapped from yeah. Fei Long. He gets brought over to Jean Hu. He's automatically at a numbers disadvantage, and PG, God bless her, uh, she is part of a coalition that just throws the challenge and gets rid of Aaron. Yeah. It was really a nightmare. It was terrible for Aaron. Um, but yeah, so Aaron, he he has a soft spot for people who got screwed over, and he's feeling like, you know what? I This lights a fire under my butt. I'm, I'm ready to, to bust out some Survivor music. I'm ready to, to make my my introduction to the world, and it's all gonna stem with Darnell. I'm just gonna write about Darnell. He's gonna be my guy. I'm gonna track this guy's story. Uh, but he's doing it under a, a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Um, he's decided, it's not very creative, I thought, but I didn't have the heart to tell him. But he's just, he's getting rid of the, the ricin and the er at the end of rice, burger. Um, and it's just gonna be Aaron Berg is what he's going by <laughs> okay. from now on. So this is, this is the first track from Aaron Berg's New musical that is about Darnell.
2: Does a former lifeguard from Chicago lose his goggles? Dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in Cambodia on the very first challenge of Survivor. Go on to get voted out by Scott Pollard. The three collars, whoops, I met the brains, beauties, and brawlers. Got cast on Survivor by being a lot stronger by being a lot smarter by being a lot hotter than most peeps. And that includes Jeff Ken's best
1: friend named Carter. Sauces. On Beauty Beach, the trees were being slaughtered by a gardener, Aubrey. Across the wave, struggled to keep a tough masada. Meanwhile, Darnell thought he had found a brawn to be a part of. The others were ready to see Malibu
2: Barbie go first. Then a stomach ache came. An aqua dump rained. The tribe saw Darnell drip, dripping from his drain. A bug wiggled in Gen and connected to her brain. Darnell screwed up the challenge and he took all of the blame. So the Braun Tribe went to Tribal and said, this first vote's insane, man. A freaking mental giant tied up with our postal main, man. Jason and Sydney went up and cast their votes again. And Jeff broke read the final name. What's the name, man? First out, Donald Hamilton. The first boot's name is Darnell Hamilton. And there's a million bucks he hasn't won. And that's not great. That's not great.
1: Yeah, so not great, Rob. Not great for Darnell Hamilton, but great for Aaron Berg. Yes, very good. Coming out with uh, a new musical, Darnell Hamilton.
0: Wow, and I hear that's a tough ticket to get. Yeah, tickets are tough to get, so you're going to want to line up early. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Great job by Aaron. I did not think we'd be hearing from him on the podcast this week.
1: I think we probably won't hear from him (laughs) again. Uh, but we'll see. He's going to be in demand pretty soon. (laughs) All right. Well, outstanding work
0: again, once again, here in the wiggle room, Uh, fun stuff, great stuff. Of course, uh, you could read Josh's full interview with Darnell Hamilton on parade.com or uh, follow Josh on Twitter at round Howard or anytime you could read Josh's archives on parade, go to Rob has a slash Parade. Josh and I also have just recapped the second episode of the half season for The Walking Dead, which you can hear on post-show recaps as well. Yeah, that's true. Walking Dead
1: has started up. We are recapping that. We also have a, a good Walking Dead book club podcast that we're doing between me and Jessica Lee. We're talking about Walking Dead, the show from the perspective of the comics. So if you like the comics, if you like The Walking Dead comics and you like The Walking Dead show, you can listen to that one. Jess has been awesome on that show so far. Uh, so yeah, our Walking Dead coverage is full on, full tilt boogies. As Jeff Ropes would say. Yeah. Speaking of Jess, we also did on most shows
0: recapped on post-show recaps. We talked about the new Hulu series 112263 with the aforementioned Jessica Lee You could hear that as well, but that was a fun podcast
1: yesterday too very goofy very goofy time travel is one of our favorite topics you and i rob yes uh, so it's fun to fun to get to dive in all yeah, that.
0: And of course you can hear plenty more about survivor and time travel in the evolution of strategy at dot com, where the first chapter all about survivor borneo is always free all right yeah josh anything else what's the
1: hashtag oh uh, man so much we talked about i like tie brows tie brows okay. made me laugh a lot <laughs> Let's go with that. All hashtag right, hashtag Tybrows. Josh and I will be back in the Wiggle
0: Room next Monday again on the podcast, and so then of course on Tuesdays, look for my why Darnell loss with the great David Bloomberg. Can't wait. Okay, looking forward to that. Yeah. Not David Berg. No, <laughs> <laughs> maybe after this. Maybe we could team uh, up. Have a good one, everybody. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments, and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye
2: does a former lifeguard from Chicago lose his goggles? Dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in Cambodia on the very first challenge of Survivor. Go on to get voted out by Scott Pollard. The three collars. Whoops, I met the brains, beauties and brawlers. Got cast on Survivor by being a lot stronger by being a lot smarter by being a lot hotter than most peeps. And that includes Jeff Ken's best friend named Carter. Sauces. On
1: Beauty Beach, the trees were being slaughtered by a gardener. Aubrey, across the wave, struggled to keep a tough facade Meanwhile, Darnell thought he had found a brawn to be a part of. The others were ready to see Malibu Barbie go
2: first. Then a stomach ache came, an aqua dump rained. The tribe saw Darnell drip, dripping from his train. A bug wiggled in Gen Z and connected to her brain. Darnell screwed up the challenge and he took all of the blame. So the brown tribe went to tribal and said this first vote's insane. Man, a freaking mental giant tied up with our postal main Man. Jason and Sydney went up and cast their votes again. And Jeff Probst read the final name. What's the name, man? First out, Darno Hamilton. The first boot's name is Darno Hamilton. And there's a million bucks, he hasn't won. And that's not great. That's not great.